The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where all it took was a little bit of magic and some cash, but the Lakers found a way to make the most out of literally nothing and maximize the 2022 NBA draft. That's maximize Christie, that is. Hey. Hey. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and my voice sounds the way it does because your boy got the COVID, unfortunately. So here we are, day after the draft, I'm dealing with COVID, but I'm here with my co-host, Tommy Alexander, to hopefully help assuage this whole situation and um, allow me to rest my voice a little bit, but I doubt that'll happen anyways. But Tommy, how are you doing a day after the Lakers drafted Max Christie with a 35th pick and also picked up Cole Swider on a two-way, Scottie Pippen Jr. on on a two-way, Shaq's son, Sharif O'Neal, on a Summer League invite, Fabian White Jr. on an Exhibit 10 contract, and RJ Cole, UConn Husky, for a Summer League invite. Uh, Doing good. Thank you for asking. I do not have the COVID, fortunately, so feeling good for now, unless I get it through this podcast uh, somehow. (laughs) It's anything is possible. Um, You know, feeling good about the Lakers, what they did in the draft yesterday. Uh, It seems like they went you know, went back to their roots in some respects. They, you know, they, they went back and picked up some affiliates of guys in the nineties and Scotty Pippen jr. And Max Christie, of course, Doug Christie's son, I assume. Um, <laughs> Sharif Wait, is O'Neal. That true? No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Sharif O'Neal on the team. Cole Swider kind of looks like a young Rob, Pal- Rob Palenka. Um, so, you know, they, they kind of stuck to the formula I expected them to stick to. And, and it, and it, uh, it, it we'll see if it paid off. Honestly, if you had ran with that bit, I would have believed you because he kind of looks like he could be Doug Christie's son. Um, also, you know, it's it's funny that Rob Palenka ended up drafting a Michigan State product because this yeah. is the second season where I'm like, 
is Magic Johnson at the reins again <laughs> of this franchise? <laughs> from the Russell Westbrook trade to all of a sudden we're, we're drafting a guy from Michigan State in um, Max Christie. But yeah, were you surprised that, I know the podcast prior, we made our predictions, just like our random predictions on what pick the Lakers would trade for and buy. You had predicted number 48. I had predicted number 39, which isn't that far off from number 35. But were you surprised that the Lakers were able to get a pick that high? And yeah, what are your thoughts about this range in general? Because we've talked about before how, you know, um, early second rounders are essentially first rounders. But for some teams, especially teams that are looking at their cap books, which the Lakers aren't really looking at their cap books because they're an over the cap team. But for some teams that are trying to be judicious about their money spending, it's almost better that they get an early second rounder because they can finagle the salary cap that way and all that stuff. But um, were you surprised that the Lakers were able to get a pick this early? And yeah, what are your thoughts about their position? I was really surprised, honestly. I, I did not think that any teams in the 30s, certainly not in the top five picks and of the second round, would be selling. Um in most drafts, if you get something in the top five of the second round, you're kind of getting a first-round pick in some ways. Because if you think about it, like a lot of the teams that are drafting in the last five picks, I'm not saying this was the case this year, but often teams that are drafting in the last five picks of the first round are you know, teams that are contending and are not necessarily drafting guys for the upcoming season, you know, they're maybe drafting overseas guys or whatever. Um, and in this year in particular, the second round, I mean, the talent was so deep this year. Um, I thought, you know, there was good talent going in, in even the mid forties this year, um, or to late forties. And, and so to get a, a second round pick this year that high, I think means even more than it does in prior, you know, has meant in prior years and, I, I I don't know. I was very very surprised. And when I they, the price came out, I know they gave up like a future pick or it's like a swap. I'm not exactly sure how it works to be honest. It's 2028 um, and we got a 2028 second from the Wizards, so it'll either be the the lower of the Wizards pick or our own 2028 second round. Gotcha. Pick. Gotcha. So it's one of those and then, you know, 2.1 million cash or something. I don't know if that's a final number, but I saw that's what Pink has said like guesstimated so that seems pretty good i mean like you know so i give them props because i think one thing that it seems like it's happened in prior years certainly felt like this happened in 2020 um excuse me 2021 with this team was that you know they sort of tried to make trades like day of and like during the draft like while it was happening and they weren't able to buy in and so the fact that they went into it with the number 35 it it's kind of interesting and scary in some ways. Interesting, and I like the fact that they just committed and they said, we're doing this, we're getting it, we need to develop some young talent. But on the other hand, because they bought it before the draft, like hours before the draft, they didn't... It's not like they were necessarily targeting one player, right? So it's like you kind of wonder, did you guys get the guy that you wanted? Because I know there were some guys that we had worked out that ended up going slightly above where they were projected and stuff like that. So you kind of you kind of wonder if they got who they wanted. But it, I thought it was a good move. So they actually were targeting Andrew Nemhard, who ended up going 31st to the Pacers. Excuse me. So they're looking at Andrew Nemhard, who ended up going 31 to the Pacers, who I think they interviewed Nemhard at the Combine. Sorry, they interviewed and I think they also worked out Nemhard. So they had their eyes on him. But when he was off the board, I think 
Max Christie was their um, next bet. And then they were also looking at Kendall Brown from, I think, Baylor, um, who ended up going like 48th to Minnesota or whoever that pick ended up going to. I can't keep track anymore. Um, And they were even considering buying a second, second rounder. And, you know, watching Kendall Brown's tape, I was like, oh, they should have probably tried harder to get that second, second rounder because he's a very athletic and long wing um, who's more explosive than any of the prospects that we sort of pulled together here. But regardless, I'm glad that they were able to get the 35th pick. I think when I was going into my predictions, predicting that we would trade for Cleveland's number 39, I actually considered going for one of Orlando's um, second round picks, 32 or 35, but I thought that would be way too obvious because Palenka has dealt with the Orlando Magic so often, and that's literally the last second round pick we, tr- we traded for, right? The THT pick. So I was like, that'd be too too obvious, right? But, you know, leave it to Palenka to always be on brand and, you know, deal with the Magic again. So um, although he has dealt with Kobe Altman in the past for separate trades, I just don't think we've bought a second rounder from, from Cleveland in the past. So I thought maybe this is the time we're going to do it. But nope, Rob Palenka is pretty predictable when it comes to certain parties that will deal with him and vice versa. So regardless, let's get into Maximum Christie. Um, Max Christie, Michigan State, 19 years old. I think he's like in the top 10 youngest uh, in this draft, actually. He's 6'6 with like, I'm not sure what his wingspan is, but it's pretty long. I think it's like 6'8. Yeah, 6'8. I mean, he's listed as a guard, but when when you watch him on tape, he looks more like a wing. Yeah, 6'6 with a 6'9 wingspan. Coming out of high school, he was a five-star prospect, and he was the number one shooting guard and number 13th overall player in the 2021 class, just to show you the sort of uh, pedigree that this guy held coming into Michigan State. Now, his numbers at Michigan State are pretty paltry. I think he only averaged like nine points on like middling percentages. But I think what a lot of people have been talking about is just if you look at his skill set, his jump shot mechanics, his footwork, there's a lot to work with there. And, you know, combining that with who he was as a five-star recruit coming out of high school, you can sort of see shades of an all-around guard slash wing player who, at worst, may become a 3 and D type guy in this league. And I think a lot of that actually hinges on the fact that even at 19, and regardless of how raw he is and how uh, frail his body still is, he still showed a really great propensity to play some really solid defense, even at Michigan State his first year. Uh, the way that he crouches down in his stance, the way that he knows how to use his long arms to um, harass defender or harass offensive players um, is really impressive. He, he really knows how to slide his feet on, on the de- defensive end, even at this stage in his career. And I think that should go a long way in helping him get minutes right off the bat, even if his offensive game needs polish at the next level because presumably he's going to be going up against some stronger bodies that he won't easily be able to shed but yeah what are your thoughts on max christie off the bat i have some more exposition to add but i'll let you go on uh what your initial thoughts were when the lakers drafted him so i knew nothing about him the moment the same was made but since since that uh has happened i've i've taken a closer look you know his game and i saw these comps somewhere else but when you know his game seems familiar when you watch him and you can't really for me it was hard to like pinpoint it and then i saw some comps that kind of made sense like you could kind of see this guy developing into 
you know, sort of like a Kevin Martin or like no, Evan Fournier. No, stole my comp. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Ke- so Kevin Martin. Like, yeah, go ahead with Kevin Martin. Yeah, yeah. So it's like he's he he's he's like a classic. 1990s i feel like shooting guard you know what i mean like he can he he has like a good stroke from the perimeter but he can do some things with the ball like he's not a combo guard which i feel like has been the trend um in recent years to get like these bigger combo guards who play the two who can like give you more playmaking at that position i don't know that he certainly is not there now i don't know that he'll get there um but his, you know, he, that, that being said, he's not just a spot up shooter, you know, three and D gets thrown around, but he's not just a guy that you throw in the corner and hopefully he can catch and shoot one like a Jody Meeks or, you know, something like that. He can put the ball on the floor. He can score at multiple levels. He has like a floater game already that he's developing. I think like the interesting thing about him is you know, there's all these reports about how, how had he stayed for one more year, he may have been a lottery pick next year because he just, you know, kind of played on a Michigan State team that was, first of all, I think had an underwhelming season in some respects for, for them. But, you know, they're coached by Tom Izzo. They had some veterans in that group, and he didn't integrate, I think, as quickly as everybody had hoped. And I think a combination of that and the fact that, you know, he weighs 190 pounds and needs like a significant amount of physical development um, probably pushed him a little bit lower. But I kind of see what they were doing with the value uh, sort of pick here. Um, And yeah, I, I think the only other thing I'll say about him for now is I kind of, I mean, you already said this too, but I agree with the defense point. When you watch his clips, this guy's ability to move his feet and stay in front of guys defensively is very, very enticing because, you know, you don't feel, you don't feel like a 19 year old that weighs 190 pounds, barely like in clothes is, is going to make that much of an impact for our sort of team in his first year. Um, but if he can get his body right, the fact that. It is very rare, I think, to see a 19-year-old who is that highly regarded coming out of high school care about defense. And so it's a really good sign that he cares about defense, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, to get back to um, the Kevin Martin comp, because that was the one guy that I kind of honed in on, and I guess it's low-hanging fruit because they're both pretty frail, but both natural scorers who could get to whatever position on the court they wanted to. And obviously, unlike Kevin Martin... Max Christie has a much better looking jump shot, obviously, but I almost describe him as on the defensive end, he's almost like a Sean Livingston. And then on the offensive end, he's like this Kevin Martin type guy who can, he, he's a killer in the mid range, dude. The fact that even at his weight, you see him in college being able to forearm shiver dudes, take a step back. And in spite of the fact that it's contested, he's hitting these jump shots I think that projects out well to when he actually adds some weight and muscle to that body, right? So I, it, it's funny because I mentioned this on Twitter and to you that his jump shot looks kind of weird in the sense that it looks like a Rudy Gay slash Rashard Lewis sort of release. Like, uh-huh. and, and you mentioned that it's kind of slow too, but I think because of his height and his length, it, it never looks like he's going to get bothered with that shot regardless. I, I'd hope that his mechanics uh, tighten up a little bit and he's able to be faster with his release, but it it hasn't seemed to really affect him thus far, although, you know, the 30% three-point shooting in college probably lends otherwise. But even in Michigan State, the fact that 
he's really good off the bounce and can make these tough shots in the mid-range. At first, I was seeing these random comps like, oh, he's so smooth. He's like CJ McCollum. He looks like Devin Booker out there. I'm like, where is this coming from? But I I actually see where it's coming from because if you look at CJ McCollum and Devin Booker, they are masters at knowing how to, regardless of whether a defender is draped on them, they know how to get to their spot in the mid-range. And regardless of whether or not they've created separation, they know how to create separation and get that shot off. You know what I mean? So I think that's something that Max Christie does very well. And <laughs> this is a weird comp, but every time I see Ma- Max Christie sort of you know, dance around in the mid-range and all of a sudden pull up for a mid-range jump shot... I kind of see some DeMar DeRozan too, not in terms of frame, right? Because right now, uh, Christie's very frail, obviously, and DeMar DeRozan's like a well-built, sturdy NBA body, and he, he's always been that way. But just the way that you see him sort of stringing the ball along and using his footwork to pivot, to pump fake, and to create separation with, his, with body nudges and whatnot, I don't know. I, I feel like it's an art the way that he's able to get these shots off, even in spite of the fact that he doesn't have again, the muscle or the weight to him um, to do it. But the fact that he can already gain separation and hit these tough shots, I think to me is very um, encouraging. And I guess because of his lanky frame, maybe not DeMar DeRozan, but if you imagine uh, Brandon Ingram shrunk down by like, you know, two or three inches, that's kind of what I see in Max Christie right now. The way that Brandon Ingram would always try and get to his spots in the mid-range and then pull up and hit a tough mid-range jump shot. And it almost looked like it it was much harder than it needed to be, right? Um, Especially earlier days of Brandon Ingram. That's what I see from Max Christie right now. And I think that should only continue to get better and better once he gets stronger in the NBA and actually builds out his frame. But right now, the actual skeleton of what he can do skill set-wise... Um, he's already got it, I feel like, you know? So anything else to add on that point? Well, I guess my only point building off what you said is actually more of a question for you. Like, what do you think then? Because a lot of what you said, I agree with, but a lot of what you said was also caveated by the fact of (laughs) he will get there one day. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, he is like, even Kevin Martin, who is super frail, was a lot stronger than, you know, it's like, how many years does it take a guy like this to physically develop? And so given all of that stuff, do you, do you think it was kind of an interesting pick for a team with LeBron, Russ, and AD with a somewhat, you know, limited window? I do, and I think it lends to something that we've talked about before in that this front office has already started to plan for the future, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, um, but, and I will say, I think they hedged the, hedged the bet hedge their bets pretty well though because as i mentioned max christie already i feel like you can deploy him defensively right now i think you need to work on his body obviously but just as a point of attack harasser i think he could do what uh maybe not i was gonna say i think he could do what tht can do but tht obviously has um the strength and girth to hold him uh, hold himself or hold down defenders right now uh which christie i don't think has but I don't know. It's tough. He's definitely going to be a project offensively. How about let's I think the the way to look at this is and I've seen this comp too. I think Kevin O'Connor said, "Ah, oh, this guy's a cross between Chris Middleton on the high end or Jeremy Lamb, right?" So, I, <laughs> so I think the way to look at it is obviously Max Christie is going to be a project, right? And for the Lakers fans that are hoping that this front office is being forward thinking, then you should be delighted that by the fact that they actually went with 
um, a 19-year-old, right? Or a guy with high upside that they are actually looking to invest in. And I don't know, knock on wood, who knows? Um, Another thing I want to get into is what if they got this guy to trade him down the line? You know, because, I mean, he's also a good guy to, to, even after you've made the pick, to entice another team to take him on, right? Because they're like oh, you got a 19-year-old and he has high upside? He might have been a first-rounder? Sure, we'll take him on, right? Um, So that's another thing to keep in mind. He could be going in a Russell Westbrook trade down the line. Um, But by all accounts right now, it seems like they're willing to invest in him. And so I think the way to look at it with Christie is the first year or two, he's going to be sort of a Jeremy Lamb project in terms of Jeremy Lamb, I don't think just in a vacuum comparing the two prospects, Jeremy Lamb never had the sort of, you know, dribbles and mid range pull up game that um, Max Christie does and the the footwork and all that stuff. But what Jeremy Lamb ended up becoming was more of like a, you know, a high variance Kent Bazemore type wing in the NBA, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the first two years, Max Christie is going to be that sort of percentages are going to suck. Uh, the misses are going to look pretty bad on the offensive end. He'll maybe hit some threes here and there, but I think he'll stake his claim on, you know, running in transition, doing all the little things, and also, you know, being a defensive pest. Um, I think we'll start to get the Kevin Martin sort of offensive uh, polish maybe by year three, right? But I think the first two years we're looking at like a, what, a six-point, seven-point scorer who you can deploy um, in some instances as a defensive harasser. So that that's how I look at it. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I just I can't see him getting any minutes. I and I acknowledge. Sorry for this coming season, and I acknowledge. Like I kind of I probably did say the exact same thing about Austin Reeves um, when we took him, but Austin Reeves was twenty three years old and a lot more physically developed, and frankly got his shot for a variety of reasons uh, in front office missteps, um, you could argue. Uh, And I just feel like it's hard to imagine, you know, a guy like Christie, who I think, I mean, look, he was like, if you looked at the Ringers draft board, they had him as a first draft, like top 30 talent, even for this year's draft. Um, And, and, you know, all the, all the commentary sort of about his upside, but I just don't really see how he finds minutes for us. I, I, do, I actually do agree with you about like the trade angle. Um, it, it might help. I don't know that it's going to help preseason. Second rounders aren't typically super sought after um, in these circumstances uh, before the season has started. But, you know, obviously he'll, he'll be on a reasonable kind of contract for the next few years. But... Yeah, I don't know. I also think it was kind of interesting for them to take a 6'6"-ish guard. Like, yeah, he has length, but it doesn't fill really like either... It doesn't really feel like that 6'8 sort of wing need that was a glaring hole on this roster. Um, And you kind of look at the roster and you're like, well, Austin Reeves kind of is a six, five ish guard. Um, I know he's more of a combo guard, but we kind of have him there and we've actually seen what he can do. Um, you know, we have THT who's a little smaller, but longer. Um, so where does Max Christie fit with that sort of young group of guard? It's just like weird, right? It's like, we have three young players on our team and they're all guards. And we took another guard, like shooting guard. It, it just, that part of it was also a little odd to me. 
well, the other guy that they were looking at, Andrew Nemhard, is a six four, six five tall guard as well. So right, right. I think they were looking at this draft irrespective of what the next year means, which, you know, I don't know how LeBron's going to feel about that. But, I mean, I think it's very clear the Lakers have started to mini-pivot, think about their future post-LeBron, right? Um, and I will say... I could see Christie getting minutes because who knows what the hell is going to happen to this roster, and we could end up seeing the same thing happen to this roster that happened to us last year, where by the end of the season, we're like, okay, the best players on this team are Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, and Max Christie. So that's one way he could get minutes, but it's probably not the way that we want. So... um So I'm with you there. It'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out, but I think in terms of in a vacuum, if we're just talking about a prospect that we can sort of develop, um, I'm very excited to see what we can do with Max Christie, especially in this scouting, especially with this scouting staff and this scouting department. And hopefully we don't trade him right before he's about to pop, you know, stuff like that. Let's take it to break. And when we return, let's get into Cole Swider and uh, yeah, and maybe any of the other um summer league invites that we have coming on so we will catch you guys after the break hey folks it's still me so by this point we've released about six to seven podcasts dedicated solely to free agency and the lakers options this offseason and if you've been following along you should be pretty well versed at this point on who all of the lakers best targets are so if you'd like to join in on the fantasy GMing fun, shoot us your free agency roster for the Lakers in the form of a five-star Apple podcast rating and review, and I'll grade them. I'll grade your rosters. I'll analyze them in a future podcast or segment or highlight some of my favorites on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. So whether you've reviewed us in the past or you've never reviewed us, please shoot us your seven-spot free agency roster build via a five-star Apple Podcast rating and review. Give me one mini MLE target and six veteran minimum targets. So yeah, have some fun with it. And also just know that you're really helping out the overall Lakers Legacy Podcast cause with your five-star rating and review. Because again, this is the main means by which our podcast gains visibility and can continue to thrive and pump out content on a more consistent basis. So yeah, all in all, thanks for your support. I'm looking forward to seeing some of your guys' creative roster builds. And with that said, please enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so we're back. Tommy, we also picked up two two-way guys, Cole Swider and Scotty Pippen Jr. Scotty Pippen Jr. Is Swider, a- no swiding. Swider, no swiding, exactly. Um, Dora the Explorer, shout out. Cole Swider comes from Syracuse. He did play in Villanova. Is it Villanova? I think Villanova the first I thought two- it was Villanova. Yeah, yeah, first two years or so. Uh, barely got any time. And then Scotty Pippen Jr. comes from Vanderbilt, obviously the son of Scotty Pippen. Um, so Cole Swider, he's 6'9", although I think he looks more 6'8", to be honest. He kind of looks like Svima Kailu's height, but 6'8", 6'9". <laughs> um, he is, I think he's what? I don't know what his age is. I think he's 21. Um, but yeah, he's from Syracuse. This past year, he... Averaged 14 points, 7 rebounds, hit 41% from 3, knocking down 2.5 a game on 6 attempts, which is great, so high volume. He is legitimately one of the best shooters in the nation. I think, I forgot who put the stat out, I think it was Zach Milner on Twitter, but he looked up the database of how many, which NCAA prospects shot like 
I forgot what I forgot what the stat was. Like an insane an insane amount of attempts from three point land, and only thirteen prospects hit forty percent with that number of attempts. And Cole Swider was one of those thirteen players. And at that size, to be able to shoot that well, um, I think is why the Lakers ended up bringing him back for two workouts. And to be clear, there were several other teams that were also very interested in Cole Swider. So, for example, the the Boston Celtics, um, it's been reported that Cole Swider hit 79 of 100 threes in their three-point drill, <laughs> which is wow. insane. And then with Sacramento, in their three-point drill, Cole Swider hit 83 of 100. So at 79% and 83% from three-point land. Um, but overall... A large number of the teams who worked him out have been impressed by his high basketball IQ and his character. Now, when you look at his shooting mechanics and the way he's able to come off screens and move off ball and the motion that he's able to work with when it comes to getting to his spots and shooting that three ball, you do see a little bit of Clay Thompson. And also, I mean, the obvious one that people were kind of alluding to was uh, a little bit of Kyle Kuzma as well. I think it's more because of the height and the light-skinnedness, to be honest. (laughs) Um, But I guess the rebounding does lend itself to some Kuzma-esque stuff as well, Kuzma-esque comparisons, because he did average seven rebounds. Um, So I'd almost describe Cole as a taller Duncan Robinson, actually. He's not as athletic as Kuzma, not as strong as Kuzma. In fact, he's if you look at the way that he drives to the basket, he's very below the rim. Um, There are some times, though, when all of a sudden he'll explode and, like, block a shot out of nowhere. Um, so, he does have some, so he does have some moments of sneaky athleticism, but for the most part, he's definitely not as athletic as Kuzma. But he's also a way better shooter than Kuzma, so that's where I bring in the Duncan Robinson part of it all. Um, so on the low end, I don't know, he's like a Steve Novak, Jason Capono type, but I think his length and he does have a sturdy frame. I think those give me some hope and the fact that he's sort of shown some hustle guy type abilities as well. Um, so what are your thoughts on on Cole Swider as a guy that the Lakers were clearly looking, and I think Darvin Ham too, right? When we look at Darvin Ham's experience with the Atlanta Hawks and always needing like a dead-eye shooter with the Hawks, it was Kyle Korver running off all these screens, right? Um, I think that's what they're trying to find with a guy like Cole Swider. Who's the, a guy that we can turn into, like, a, like I said, like a Duncan Robinson, who we can just run off a bunch of screens and help space the floor in this four-out, one-in type system. I think Cole Swider will fit perfectly with um, what Darvin Ham wants to do. And he's not a terrible defender when it comes to team defense. If you can put him in a spot where... Um, he knows what to do in conjunction with the rest of the players on the floor. I just think man-to-man, he doesn't have the foot speed, he doesn't have the lateral quickness or the athleticism to keep up with with his guys the way that even Kuzma could. So I think there's something to work with there as a, as a team defender. But overall, it's it goes back to the shooting with Cole Swider. So what are your thoughts on Cole? Yeah, I guess high-level thought on both of the two-way guys is we... You know, as we saw last year, the Lakers, the one thing that they have been not shy about is move cycling through these two A guys. So just because yeah. we signed these two guys right away doesn't necessarily mean, you know, these are our guys for the season. But that said, to your point, we had, we did two workouts with Cole Swider. It seemed like we were um, you know, kind of kind of high on him and and you know, I think he was at the combine too, right? And we had 
probably saw him there as well. Um, but I think he's he's a weird prospect because he's six nine. He can handle the ball, and so the fact that he has those skills and competitiveness, you know, if, when you watch his highlights, the one thing that sort of stands stands out with respect to him is. This guy's going at like 100% speed on every possession. Like whether he has the ball in his hands, whether he's running the court in transition, in transition, he only has one speed and that's like max hustle speed. Um if I was the Lakers, I think the thing that would be the most intriguing about this right is like maybe you figure you can coach against some of his deficiencies, against some of his maybe lack of athleticism, but if the guy's going to hustle and can bomb threes the way that Cole Swider can bomb threes, that's sort of talent that's hard to not at least take a closer look at. Um, he's not just a good three-point shooter, like you said, right? He, and and you cited that stat, I believe you said it was Zach Milner, which I think is right, but it's not just that he shoots threes. Like, he hits threes curling off screens. He hits threes like five, ten feet behind the college line. I mean, he he hits threes running, stopping on a dime and popping the three. I mean, he hits them in all different types of ways. This is not just, you know, traditional college four who can space and is just, like, kind of camping in the corner and hitting threes once in a while. Like, he wants to shoot threes. Everybody knows he wants to shoot threes. If you watch his Syracuse highlights again, it's like, he was like, it was like watching an NBA team. Like you mentioned Duncan Robinson. It was like watching an NBA team try to guard Duncan Robinson. Like they're constantly aware of where he is. He has a ton of gravity and you, you kind of have to guard him. And, you know, he's not shy about putting it up and, and he just has tremendous accuracy. Mm-hmm. I did watch his interview that he did with the Lakers and, you know, you kind of see the maturity and the, um, you know, good attitude, good mindset, sort of those types of intangible things that came up in, in some of his scouting reports. You sort of see that. Um, I think it's it's an interesting pick. I mean, it's we did need someone. You know, we were just discussing uh, Max Christie and, and how he doesn't necessarily fill that, like, wing void that we have. And so why not give Cole a look? I mean... Cole is frankly probably more NBA ready than Max Christie. Um, so he, there's a chance that he gets more minutes. I know he's on a two way deal, but you know, he can still play in 50 games. And I, I think there's a chance he ends up getting more minutes than Cole even, or excuse me, than Max Christie. So um, overall interesting pick. And I guess we'll see what happens um, or pick up and we'll see what happens with respect to whether we keep him or cycle these guys out again. Yeah. And correction, Cole Swider is not 21. He's 23 years old. So he's obviously an older prospect. Um, and the Zach Milner stat that I was citing that I totally butchered, uh, here's what, it's, what it is. Um, he compiled a database of how many NCAA prospects attempted at least 75 NBA threes in the past college season. And 51, 51 NCAA players attempted 75 NBA threes. So I'm guessing, you know, 30, what, 33 feet out or whatever. Um, and only eight players shot above 40% from... NBA three-point range, and Cole Swider was one of those players. So obviously there's no question about his shot, but like you mentioned, the fact that he can hit pull-up jumpers, pull-up three-point shots off the bounce is very impressive, which means he's not strictly a catch-and-shoot guy, 
and he can relocate if he needs to. And the fact that he's 6'9", you know, this is where you can get sort of see some Kuzma comparisons because, you know, what Kuzma liked to do a lot was leverage his size by backing down people and then turning around for a turnaround fadeaway jump shot, right? Cole Swider can actually do that because he's like 6'8", 6'9", and pretty sturdily built, and he has a smooth jump shot. So the fact that he can also hit like a running pull-up fadeaway jump shot or a turnaround fadeaway is very impressive as well. So we'll see what happens with Cole, but I like the thought process and the fact that Darvin Ham probably had a hand in picking this guy out. Um, let's see, anything else we want to talk about? Do you have any thoughts on Scottie Pippen Jr.? So I watched a little bit of his tape. He's a really good uh, point guard general always very in control. He racks up a lot of steals, actually. I think he averaged like 1.9 steals this yeah, past. Yeah, he's kind of like, he's a little undersized, right? But he has good length for a point guard. I think he's like 6'1", but he has like a 6'5 wingspan. And he, you know, obviously his dad is Scottie Pippen, and Scottie Pippen was famous for being like a really strong on-ball defender. And I think you sort of see the same, like, he sort of got that, like, you know, people say like that bulldog mentality, like, you know, with these smaller guards, they sort of play above their size sometimes. And you sort of see that with, uh, with Scottie Pippen Jr. Yeah. So a lot of people are calling him like the next Tyus Jones. He kind of looks like Tyus Jones and I'll agree, like because of his size and the way that he shoots his three ball, it kind of does look like Tyus Jones. I found a comp, though, that I think is probably more apt because he's really quick, but also very athletic, actually, um, especially for his size at 6'1". Um, outside of that, he's strong and has a good low-to-the-floor base that allows him to get to his spots without being rattled, which I think is very impressive for a guard at his size. So I, I see the shades of Tyus Jones, but I also see a little bit of Jordan Farmar in him because Jordan Farmar had that good control of the court as a you know orchestrator of the offense but also out of nowhere here's Jordan Farmar skying in for a lob like a one-handed alley-oop right because uh, Jordan Farmar was very athletic and also very quick that was his pretty much that was his role on the Lakers right as a change of pace guard and so that's how I sort of see Scottie Pippen Jr. without getting to those higher end comps of like Tyus Jones already right if you can get a sort of Jordan Farmar-esque template with Scottie Pippen Jr., then I think that's all you can ask for. And right now, I mean, Fabian White, who is the Exhibit 10 player that the Lakers signed on, who I described as like a Serge Ibaka type and looks very strong, he's the one guy out of this group who's like, oh, here's your 6'8 guy who's athletic, can kind of space the floor, but is a shot blocker. I mean, I could easily see them swapping in Fabian White into Scottie Pippen Jr.'s spot for that two-way contract. And in fact, that's what, it, uh, that's what an Exhibit 10 contract is. An Exhibit 10 contract essentially just gives you the ability to be flexible with that prospect. Um, because I think it incentivizes that prospect to play in the Lakers G League and then also allows the Lakers to then convert that, their contract into a two-way contract if they want to down the line. So I could definitely see uh, Fabian White taking on Scottie Pippen Jr.'s spot, but also, I don't know, I'm, I'm more and more impressed by the you know, tape that I'm seeing of Scottie Pippen Jr. I'm just not sure, you know, again, in the larger context of what the Lakers are trying to do this season, I'm just not sure where Scottie Pippen Jr. fits with Kendrick Nunn and you know, maybe Malik Monk coming back, Austin Reeves. You know. So it's hard. I think a lot of these two-way guys are probably going to stay in the G League with the South Bay Lakers for a majority of the season. But we'll see. I think in a vacuum, and we'll just look at it at this in a vacuum right now, I overall like the 
prospects that the Lakers went with, it's clear that they are veering towards the side of shooting and spacing. Yeah, yeah, that became very apparent. Yeah, but also, you know, with guys like Christie and even like Swider's hustle aspect, and also Fabian White Jr., who's a shot blocker and tough and strong, they they made sure not to leave out the defensive aspect, right? It's just not as in your face, right? It's not like, here's a seven foot nine guy with an extreme motor and who's super athletic. It's just, okay, we got guys who are more offensive slash shooting tilted, but also can bring it defensively as well, we hope, right? So any last thoughts to say on these prospects? Uh, no, I think we covered it. I mean, it's like, we'll get a lot more information seeing them in the summer league, which is just coming up in a couple weeks. That'll be good. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. So with that said, we'll cut it short here and just leave this as the draft pod. Um, we may have a precursor to free agency pod coming later, but for now my voice is dying. So here's the post draft Lakers draft post Max Christie, Max christening Lakers podcast. Hey, we got a pick. Rob got his guys, Darvin Ham got his guys, and it seems like we're finally focused on developing the youth again. Uh, So we'll see how that pans out. But with that said, we will catch you guys later as we head into a crazy next week with all the Kyrie Irving drama and free agency coming up. So stay tuned. Tommy, I will let you go. Peace. Laters. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.